This evening we are looking at the topic of how to live with a difficult person. How to live with a difficult person. Now I'm sure we all have difficult persons in our lives. They are annoying, frustrating, exhausting. And we may wonder, you know, is this possible that somehow I can still bear up with all this? Or you may say, can I change this person? Or you may ask yourself, should I opt out of this situation because life is becoming so difficult because of this person? How should you live? How should you deal as a Christian with a difficult person? And this evening, we are going to look at the life of Abigail and find out how she did it. Even before the time of Christ, Old Testament times, how she did it and how we can do it in our lives today in this modern 21st century. Now, as an introduction, let me share with you that there are four different types of difficult people, four different types of difficult people. Now, let, uh, let me tell you right at the onset, when you are talking about difficult people, you know, don't just think about others, also think about yourself, because you could be the difficult person that someone else has to live with. You know? So, you also understand your own self so that you can make sure that you are not giving a tough time to the people around you. So, there are four different types of difficult people. Number one is called as the downers. They are also called as negative Nancy's or Debbie Downers. They always have something bad to say. They are constantly complaining, critiquing and judging. They are almost impossible to please. Anything that you say or do is not appreciated. It is always put down. That's the downers, difficult people to live with. The second type is the better thans. They are also known as know-it-alls, you know, or show-offs. They like to try impressing you, name-dropping, comparing, you know. They are constantly comparing you with somebody else, maybe, and putting you down. Or maybe comparing themselves with somebody else and pushing themselves up, you know. Difficult people to live with. The third type is a passive type. Okay, they are called as passives, you know. They are also known as pushovers, you know, or yes-men and weaklings. They don't contribute much to conversations or people around them. They let others do all the hard work. You're doing all the hard work, you're struggling, but they are very passive, you know. They don't do anything at all to contribute, and that's a difficult you know, person to live with, isn't it, you know? Somebody who doesn't help you in any way. The fourth person on the opposite of the passive is called as the tanks, you know, you know the pattern tanks, you know. They are explosive people or bossy people. They want their way and will do anything to get it, okay? Pushing people, you know, bossy people. Ask yourself, which type do you belong to? I'm not asking you which type, you know, does your spouse belong to or your child belongs to or your boss belongs to. Ask yourself, which type do you belong to? So that you can understand that it's not difficult people that you have to live with, but it's also, you know, you know, the fact that you are a difficult person with whom somebody else has to live. Now, we must be careful that when we meet a difficult person, we must not try to change them. Okay, the instinct is, you know, they are like this, they are not like me, so I have to change them. But remember, when you try to encourage the downers to be more positive or passives to stand up for themselves or the tanks to calm down, or the better thans to be more humble, it will never work. It will never work. Why? Because when you try to change someone, they will always resent you. They will dig in their heels as it were and get worse. Now, remember, you and I cannot change people around, but our attitudes can change our situation so that we are not affected by them and we become like them. That's an option, isn't it? You know? When we are living with difficult people, we may say, okay, that person is like this, I had also become like this. And over a period of time, instead of becoming better, you can become bitter. So this evening, we are going to look at the life of Abigail. In the Old Testament, we have in a, a life mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we look at how she was able to live her life with her husband, whose name was Nabal, which means a fool, okay, a difficult person to live by. 
We are also looking at a situation which made things even more tougher for her. But how did she handle it? And how did she come out victorious from that? So remember, no difficult situation, no difficult person is impossible to deal with. You know? If you are trusting in God, if you are relying on Him, if you are holding on to Him, He is able to change you know, any difficult person or any difficult situation as well. Don't try to do it yourself because it's not going to work. So let's look at who Abigail was. Now, first of all, we recognize that she was a smart and a rich and a beautiful woman. Now, oftentimes in the Old Testament, when it speaks about tonight, we'll speak about this woman was beautiful. But when it speaks about Abigail, it also speaks you know, of the fact that she was an intelligent woman. The NIV translates it as intelligent. The NRSV says a clever and the King James says of good understanding. So here was you know, a woman who was not only beautiful, not only rich, but she was also a very smart and an intelligent woman. Secondly, Abigail's name is derived from two Hebrew words, you know, for father and happiness. So if you put these two words together, it would mean my father's happiness. Okay, It would be like, you know, when uh, Abigail was born, her father was so overjoyed and called her by this name, Abigail, you have brought joy to my heart. And as she grew up, it was not just her physical beauty alone, but you know, in her character, in her spirit, you know, she was definitely much, much beautiful. The scripture also tells us that she came from this place called Carmel, which is also known in the scriptures as God's vineyard. Okay? And being married to Nabal, who was a wealthy person, she has also being a wealthy individual. Because if you notice, Nabal was a wealthy guy. If you notice, the passage speaks about the banquet that he you know, spread for the sheep shearing season. And also we find that when uh, Abigail takes food for David, you find she has brought on a huge spread. Okay. Now, this is the background of this person, Abigail. Now, look at the difficult person she had to live with. You know, yes, her husband's name was Nabal, you know, and fortunately or unfortunately, Nabal means a fool, okay, a fool. Now, I wonder if you know, Abigail's father gave her the name, you know, the father's joy, happiness. What did Nabal's parents see in Nabal to call him a fool, okay? I'm sure nobody would name their child as a fool, but something has happened that they have named Nabal as a fool. But they came from a rich family, you know, whatever reason they have called him in, in, by this name Nabal, which means a fool, and he lived up to his name. He lived up to his name. Okay. Now, we do not know how they got married or why they got married. Obviously, in that culture, it was arranged, you know, and it would definitely have been more for her wealth and beauty, you know, you know the, uh, the family would have given you know, Abigail in marriage to Nabal. Now, Nabal comes from the lineage of Caleb. That's what the Bible tells us you know, in 1 Samuel. Now, Caleb, if you notice, his life of faith. But what has happened down through the years? Here is a, you know, his you know, great, 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 great grandson from his lineage. His name is called a fool, okay? Not living up whatsoever to the heritage of his forefather, Caleb. But on the other hand, we don't have any ancestry about Abigail, but still her character is so pure and refined and faithful to God. Now, obviously, then you find you know, that here are two individuals, you know, who seem to be totally incompatible. You know, if you notice, you know, today, you know, in marriage conflicts, people will say we are incompatible, so we have broken up. You know. But remember, there's no such thing as incompatibility in marriage. You know, husband and wife both are different, definitely, by virtue of their sex itself you know, and their temperament. 
Now, how do you relate to each other and how do you live with that and how do you make the best of that, you know, so that both are able to grow together into what God has planned is what the important thing is. And oftentimes, if one in the marriage relationship is a selfish person, a difficult person, <coughs> someone who is hard to live with, oftentimes, you know, the spouse will be exactly the opposite. One who is selfless, one who is kind, one who is giving. Opposites attract, we say, you know, and oftentimes it's more of a question of the complimenting. Because if two people are selfish, you know, that is not going to stay together. The only person who will put up with a difficult person is a selfless, loving person. So let's look at you know, Abigail as we study this passage to find out how she was able to live up to the expectations of God in the marriage and also how she was in this difficult situation that she was in, not to run away from it, but to make the best out of that. How did, was she able to do that? So let's look at that difficult situation that she was in. We find this mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Let me just briefly sum this up for you and we will look at the details. You know. If you notice, the scripture speaks about in chapter 25 and verse 4, while David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. Now, this is the sheep shearing she season. There's a time of celebration. There's a time of you know, feasting, as it were. And uh, as a result, David, who has now you know, been running you know, from Saul, Solomon has you know, died. That's what verse 1 tells us, you know. David has still not been made king. He is running away from Saul. And when he is running away from Saul, he has his own band. And he is you know, looking after the people you know, in his own band. And as a result of his proximity with you know, Nabal's shepherds, he has also been involved over that period of time protecting you know, these guys. Because David and his men are out you know, in the fields. Now... Sheep sharing season, so David sends his man to say, Hey, go and ask Nabal. We have been looking after his sheep without any payment or anything. We have done him a good job. Ask him for some, some food because now everybody is feasting. As part of good hospitality, let's have some food so that our own people can be benefited. But when Nabal receives this individual, he is so upset. He is so upset, you know. In verse 10, he says, Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my sharers and give it to men coming from who knows where? Look at this attitude, you know. David, next in line, now obviously he's upset. Maybe he's good friends with Saul. So he calls David as a good-for-nothing fellow, as it were. Now, even though you know Nabal was the worthless one, he thinks that David is the worthless one. And as a result, he says, I'm not going to give you anything. Okay. Now, David obviously is very upset. So he decides, you know, he gathers 400 of his people and says, I will show him. I will make sure that there is no person left alive. And... He's taken off, you know, from his Senna hideout. He's coming to Nabal's house. In the meantime, one of the servants gives this message to Abigail. They say, look here, this is what happened. David sent his men, but this is how Nabal responded. And now we are in great big trouble. Now, how does Abigail respond? Immediately, she puts together different, different items. In verse 18, it says, Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sears of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them onto donkeys. Then she told her servants, go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. Now, how does she respond in this situation? She doesn't take permission from Nabal, but she does things on her own in order to save Nabal, okay? So, she gets all these things together, 
meets up with David and when she meets up with David, you know, she acknowledges and says, you know, my Lord, let the blame be on me alone in verse 33. And then she also tells, you know, hey, David, hey, you be careful. You had decided to come and kill everybody, but you are the God's anointed. The Lord is the one who is going to make you a king. So allow the Lord to fight your battles, you know. So she was still sane. She was still in control. She still trusted God and she shared that faith with David so that David did not go ahead. And as a result of that, not only you know, David's life and character was saved and also you find when later on, when she came back, she didn't even tell Nabal that she had gone to you know, meet up with David. He was so drunk at that time. The next day he tells and then the scripture tells us that he had a heart attack and in 10 days time, he died. So this is the situation now, okay. The situation that she was in was definitely a very toxic situation. It's like, you know, it is increasing. She has lived with this guy. The Bible doesn't say for how long, you know, she lived with him before the situation happened, you know. And now things are coming up to a, a, a boil as it were, okay. So this is what we have learned about the situation in this particular chapter so far okay now because of this rising tension that is there you know between nabal and david where he says who is this guy you know who is this david david says let's put the swords together let's go and kill so nabal's servants must have definitely feared for their lives and as a result you know they go and approach nabal's wife what gave them the confidence to go and approach Nabal's wife? Because they would have recognized, hey, Nabal is different from Abigail. Nabal is a hot-headed guy, but Abigail is a cool, calm, collected person. Abigail trusts in God. She knew she would know how to handle the situation. Yes, it's a difficult situation. Yes, it's a toxic relationship. Yes, things are getting into a high tension. But the servants knew the character of Abigail. And as a result, say, she, they immediately meet up with her and tell her, hey, this is what has happened. Ask yourself this evening, you know, do people approach you when there is a toxic relationship or a tough situation? Do they know that you are a person who is able to deal with that situation and give them guidance and, you know, would know that they will take you through? Or would you add fuel to the fire? Now, Abigail could have said, hey, look here, you know, David is coming to, you know, kill all my men. Fine. You know, I have lived enough of tensions with this guy. Let him come and kill Abigail. Then at least I'll be set free from this difficult situation, from this difficult person. And that's not what Abigail did. Abigail worked on the situation, worked on the difficult person so that there would be changes. So opting out of a difficult situation, opting out of a relationship with a difficult person is not the solution. The solution is trusting God and responding to what he guides you. So let's look at how Abigail handled this difficult situation. First of all, Abigail tried to be the ideal wife. Despite Nabal's many personality faults, Abigail tried to be the ideal wife. No matter what he did, no matter what mistakes he did, you know, Abigail still stood by her man. This is what motivated her to go and approach David and say, please accept my apology. Now, she was not the one who did the crime. She was not the one who spoke ill of David, but she takes it upon herself to go and ask for forgiveness because she stood by her husband. She found a way to protect her husband without ever allowing him to lose face while at the same time trying to soften his personal mistakes. Now, she didn't submit to her husband's stupidity. Rather, she protected her husband and her, his interests. She took the initiative when he was unable or unwilling to act and even apologized for his behavior. Now, when this situation happened, Abigail was not somebody who said, no, what has happened? What should I do? You know, she didn't you know, 
pull her hair or was upset. On the other hand, she was very calm. If you notice in Proverbs chapter 31, it speaks about uh, the woman which is, who is praised, and she has all those attributes, if we were to say, characteristics. She was loving and patient. She was disciplined. She was hardworking. She was efficiently organized. She was wise and discerning. She was endowed with a gentle disposition. She was a person who had a pleasant speech, and she had everything organized just as much as the woman in chapter uh, Proverbs chapter 31 speaks about. Think for a moment, to put an enormous meal, to feed 200 people, is not a joke. But she was able to get it together so quickly. Why? Because of well-organizing abilities, okay? And she was able to handle this situation. When the entire household were about to lose their lives, you know, she did not give up. She did not panic in that situation. Her trust was still there in God. And we understand that when she speaks to David about you know, her trust that God is going to fight the battles. And that's the whole emphasis that we must be having. When we're living with a difficult person, remember, God is the one who fights our battles. Often in life, it's not the easiest of times, but the hardest that can bring out the best in people. It is not when things are easy, it's when things are bad. That's where your true character, that's why the best in you can definitely be brought out. On the other hand, a person can wallow in self-pity, be in defeat about the circumstance and say, I give up, this is too much. Also, be careful that you don't give in to these situations. But trust in God act courageously and face the situation. Secondly, Abigail's married life was tough, but she stayed strong. She stayed strong. Even in the mad, bad marriage relationship, she didn't give up. She didn't give up. Today, people so easily give up. Okay. Now, when you're thinking about a difficult situation, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in the home, whether it's in your workplace, you know, oftentimes people immediately walk out or cop out and say, this is too much, I can't handle. But no, you know, when things get tough, you know, this is where it shows your toughness, whether you're really strong in the tough situations of life. Things are not going to change, you know, things will get tougher and tougher. Don't look for easy opportunities, easy situations, because it is in the tough situations that your faith is going to be built up. Thirdly, Abigail was not afraid to act quickly, act quickly. At least three times in this in chapter, it's mentioned, you know, she immediately did this, or she did this in haste, you know. She definitely did not allow time to go by. She did not you know, allow time to go by. Instead of you know, letting things you know, proceed and allow David to come and kill everybody, okay, she showed her integrity. She chose to protect her husband, not because he deserved it, not because he was good, but because she was good. And that's an important truth. She chose to protect her husband, not because he deserved it. Oftentimes, when a situation like this comes in, we may say, he deserves it, let him be punished, you know, so that the situation is going to be taken away. But no, you know, her trust was, when you're thinking about God, who loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. Not because we deserve it, not because we are good, but because he is good. And that's the type of an attitude that God wants us to have. Not a question of let that person change first, then I would be more conducive in the relationship. No, you know, we are willing to love the other person and do good to that other person, a person who is difficult to live with, recognizing you know, that God is good to us, so we are good to them, <laughs> okay? Now, there are a lot of times you may think, you know, that uh, in, a, in a tough relationship, you know, uh, to be submissive means to allow the person to walk over you. No, that's not what is em emphasized here. It's not a question of uh, Abigail allowing Nabal to walk over her, but Abigail rising to the situation, you know, and doing what is necessary to take that decisive action
to deliver her husband and the whole family from disaster. That's not allowing the person to walk away, you know. She is doing something concrete and that's an important truth. Submission doesn't mean you allow the other person to just batter you down, you know, but no. You know, recognizing that, yes, you're in this relationship, trusting God and allowing God to help you to take those necessary steps that are required to protect the relationship, to protect the family from harm and danger. Fourthly, Abigail was a woman who responded instead of reacted. Now, there's a difference between responding and reacting, isn't it? You know, she could have you know, you know, reacted by immediately going over to the husband and you know, you know, ranting and you know, raving on him and saying, look, yeah, you put us all in danger, you are a fool, you know, I knew this would happen, you know, and you know, blasting him off. But that would not have changed any situation, isn't it? But she responded. She responded by quickly getting provisions together to resolve the matter. Now, oftentimes, you know, the way to deal with a difficult person is not to react, okay? That's the easiest response. That's the human response, you know, but it's the responding that makes the, the difference, you know, the responding in corrective, you know, positive actions rather than letting off steam, okay? Fifthly, Abigail was a trusted woman. Abigail was a trusted woman. The members of her household felt safe in forming her of the response, the disastrous response of her husband. It's like, you know, she was the one who was acting as a buffering system. They could not approach Nabal because they knew that he was, you know, very volatile, you know, person. But they knew that they could approach you know, Abigail. She was approachable. You know, she was a person who could be trusted. Why? Because she was a woman of high character. She gained the respect of her servants by respecting them. And without having this respect, Nabal's servants would not have approached her. Sixthly, Abigail dealt in truth. She did not mince words. Once she came up you know, with all the, you know, the food items to David, you know, if you notice, you know, the scripture says, Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, you know, which means worthless, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Now, she didn't mince words over here. She was not afraid to speak the truth. They say, yes, I agree. My husband is a worthless guy, you know. My husband is, you know, useless. My husband is a fool. You know, that's what his name is. But remember, she dealt in the, with truth in that situation at the right time with the right person. She didn't go around telling people, you know, hey, this is a difficult person I have to live with all the time, you know. She was telling the truth in order to help her husband, protect her husband to come out of that situation. So we must remember this is not a license for us to begin walking around, you know, calling difficult people as sons of, you know, Belial or worthless people. But we must remember when it's a, it's a situation that is you know, demanding the correction to resolve the situation, another issue, to resolve the difficult situation, then don't be afraid to speak truth at the appropriate time. Seventhly, Abigail protected her husband by referring to her husband as a scoundrel or a worthless or a fool, you know. Why should she use those words? Understand, she was not speaking evil of him. She was just calling a spade a spade, you know? that is the truth. And in doing so, it was for Nabal's own protection and preservation. On protection and preservation. If on the other hand, she went up to David and says, you know, my husband is a wise guy. How dare you say it like this to him, you know, and justified, you know, her husband's faults, you know, that would mean that she was participating in his folly. But on the other hand, she was willing to admit, yes, this is true, you know, but this is what I'm willing to do to change the situation. She was not in that sense siding with her husband so that, you know, David, you know, would you know, think, you know, that look here, now I can't do anything about it. That would have only 
worsened the situation. <laughs> so when she spoke to David, she claimed the iniquity of her husband as her own. Though she was not guilty of his actions, she was not going to abandon him. She stood in defense of her husband and the family by saying, look here, this is what it is. These are the facts of the matter. This is how he is, you know. But, you know, please don't destroy the family. I'm here to be on his behalf. Eighthly, we find that Abigail had good timing. Had good timing. You know? Notice that the Abigail did not tell her husband that she was off to save the household. Now, I wonder if she had first gone and said, look here, this is what you have said, but this is what I am going to do. That would not have helped the situation. Maybe he would have prevented her from going, you know. So, when you are thinking about submission, it doesn't mean, look, I have to get permission for everything. And if the, the boss doesn't say, I don't, no, I can't do things. But if it is for the good of the family, good of the organization, you know what has to be done, you know, timing is definitely important. She knew the right actions that had to take place and proceeded. It was you know, dangerous, you know, but she knew it had to be done because it was pointless trying to talk to reason to her husband. Now, a person may say, did she step out of line by acting on her own, by acting without any authorization, you know, by not asking, you know, her husband permission. No. Yes, she stepped out, but it was for a good purpose. You don't have to take permissions for everything, you know. But here she was willing to do that, take that risk. Now, imagine to take a mountainous trip. This, that's what the scripture says. She was on that mountain trail. David and his men were coming down. She was willing to do that. Not because she was upset with you know, Abigail and wanted to show him. Not because she wanted to show who is the boss. No, she wanted to diffuse the situation so that peace would prevail. So, timing is very, very important. And if you notice, even when she came back after meeting with David, she saw Nabal was busy in the drinking, having this big banquet. She knew that telling him at that time is not going to solve the matter. You know, it's not going to help in any situation. It may only aggravate it. So the next morning, the Bible tells us, when he became sober, that's the time he told. So timing of what you say and what you do is very, very important in dealing with difficult situations and difficult people. So this is what number nine would we would learn. Abigail stayed calm under pressure. Stayed calm under pressure. Imagine you as a woman is going with your provisions in a, on a donkey, down a mountainous trail, and on the other side who's meeting you is 401, that is 400 plus David, you know, with their swords. You know. <laughs> High pressure, isn't it? You know? But she was willing to do that. You know. This was the peace offering that she brought, and she was definitely intent on saving her household. Look at the calmness in her. As soon as she heard about what Nabal had done, she puts these things together and she is willing to go ahead. And even when she meets with David and her men, she is not afraid. She is not upset. You know? She is not panicky. You know, she immediately steps down, bows before David and says, please accept my apology. Staying calm under pressure is such an important, important lesson to deal with difficult situations as well as difficult people as well. It is easy to allow the pressure to sort of build up you know, and finally burst out. That's not going to help the situation. But to be under calmness in the midst of the pressure, how can we have that? The scripture tells us, isn't it, thou wilt keep his mind in perfect that would keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Recognizing that God is in control, putting our trust in him, is what gives us calmness in the midst of pressures. And ask yourself, even this evening, are you, do you stay calm under pressure? When things get tough, you know, you know, as a test, you know, is it like a bomb that bursts and the situation gets worse? Are you one who is able to stay calm under pressure, trusting God 
to diffuse you know, the difficult situation and bring peace. Couple of lessons that we can learn from Abigail this evening. Number one, don't let fear hold you back. Move forward in God's courage and wisdom. When you're in a difficult situation, living with a difficult person, you know, oftentimes a person can be afraid, afraid of themselves, afraid of you know, the other person, afraid of the future. But one Samuel chapter 25, if you notice, you know, three times as you mentioned, she lost no time. She lost no time. You know. No matter how difficult or threatening the situation was, she was still willing to trust God. She showed great wisdom in acting quick, quickly, swiftly, and also speaking honorably to David. She took control of the situation that was potentially dangerous from them all, for them all. She just didn't sit around and blame her husband or remain stuck in fear. These are two options, isn't it? Some people can be immobilized with fear and say, what can I do? She was not like that. She was a person who was willing to move ahead. She was not one who was allowing fear to grip her. Ask yourself, if you are in a difficult situation, living with a difficult person, are you living in fear? Has fear immobilized you? Are you trusting God and moving ahead? Secondly, be brave. Be brave. She was not only intelligent and beautiful, she was also brave, you know, because she was willing to overcome any fear that she had to go and confront David and his 400 men with her and you know, their swords. You know. She was not afraid of that. And she was also brave considering that her actions would sooner or later be found out by her husband. If she did not tell him the next day, he would have definitely found out. You know. And then he would have had to face her violent temper. She was not afraid of that. She knew what she had done was right in order to protect, and she was willing to take that step. Thirdly, be humble and kind and seek peace with those around you. Be humble and kind. That's the first thing that Abigail did, isn't it? As soon as she saw David, she got down from a donkey, knelt down before him, and said, please accept my apology. Now, that would have definitely diffused the whole situation between David and Nabal, isn't it? If she had come down and said, how dare you come with your army, that would have brought it even more trouble. But to be humble and acknowledge, you know, even though it was not your mistake, you know, to say you're sorry, diffuses the situation. Oftentimes you may think, let the other person say sorry first, you know. What happens then? Situation goes on, goes on, goes on. But willingness to be humble, even if you are not at fault, to diffuse the situation, you say, I please accept my apology. That is humility. Why? Because you want to have peace in that situation. Fourthly, Cultivate a life of wisdom. The scripture is very clear, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's what she reminds David of. She reminds him, hey, look here, you're coming with your swords. But think for a moment, you know, how were you able to defeat Goliath? You didn't defeat the slingshot. Why were you able to defeat Goliath with a slingshot? Because your trust was in God then, isn't it? So now why are you depending on your abilities to ease the situation? You know, that was a wisdom. That was a reasoning that she gave to David. And David, at that time, when he was acting in haste, you know, a reminder in wisdom of who God is and what God has done in David's life so far, helped him, prevented him from making that mistake and going astray and killing these people for no wrong of theirs. And getting back onto the right track, you know. This is wisdom, godly wisdom that God gave Abigail, which helped, you know, David to get onto the right track. So oftentimes when you have this situation, if you're asking God for wisdom, not only is your own life and situation going to be, you know, different, but because of your behavior, it's also going to touch other lives as well. Number five. Our words and our actions are very, very powerful. Our words and our actions are very powerful. Nabal's words, if you notice, who do you think you are? 
you know, that resulted in David coming with 400 of his people to kill. Whereas the answer that Abigail gave, the words that she spoke you know, to David, please accept my apologies, that was so very different. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1 tells us, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. She definitely used soft words. And that's a key in diffusing difficult situations, living with difficult people. Don't use harsh words. Learn to use soft words. Number six, a true warrior is loyal and faithful, thinking of others before themselves. She was not thinking about herself now. She was thinking about her family. She was thinking about David also. That is what true, genuine and a relationship with God is all about, isn't it? You are not thinking about yourself. You are thinking about others first. Others first, you know, yourself last. You know. That is the real attitude of humility. That's the real attitude of trusting in God. How can we have this type of an attitude? Number seven, remember, God will fight for you. You are never alone. Why do people become selfish in a relationship with this, which is toxic? Because they think, if I don't do it, nothing is going to happen. But remember, God is the one who is going to fight for you. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 32 and 33, David says to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgments and keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. He says, God has sent you today. God fought for Abigail just as he so faithfully fights for each one of us today. He did not leave her on her own, but gave her great favor in the sight of David. God took care of Abigail. So when you're in a toxic relationship, tough situation, difficult situation, don't think it's all left up to you. The battle is the Lord's. Trust God. He will do it. Number eight, cultivate a life of faithfulness. In the meanwhile, situation has not changed. What do you do? Cultivate a life of faithfulness. Abigail had little cause for joy. She was trapped in a loveless marriage to a fool. Yet, she was loyal, trustworthy, steadfast, reliable to her husband, to the management of her home, and to her own servants. She was continuing to be faithful. Even though the situation didn't change, but this situation, <coughs> this toxic situation of, <coughs> of what Nabal said and did to Daniel, uh, to David, changed that situation and God worked it out for her good. Why? Because she continued to be faithful. Number nine, live the big picture. Live the big picture. When you're in a toxic relationship, when you're living with a difficult person, our focus is only on that situation. But remember, live the big picture. God is always in control. He is the one who is working things out. You know, maybe you know your story is different from Abigail's. You know, maybe you're still fe feeling that your future is troubled or threatened. You know. And you feel that the environment that you are in, the relationship with you are in, is so tough. You know? But remember, God knows your way. He understands the burdens that you carry. And right now, He is fighting for you, even though it is hard for you to see the full big picture. Remember, your story is not over yet. He is the one who is going to bring a greater beauty, a greater strength to every hard moment. And He is able to carry each one of us straight through whatever difficult situations, whatever difficult persons we are living with, if we keep pressing forward and keep trusting God. Let me close with a couple of practical tips on how to live with a difficult person. Number one, be humble. Be humble. That's an important key, important key. If two people are selfish, if two people say that I'm the boss, it's going to be difficult. But first important principle is be humble. Be willing to acknowledge your fault. Be willing to say sorry. 
be willing to be an individual who is not the one who says, I will get my way. Secondly, don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. Now, don't let allow fear to immobilize you and say, I give up. And that's, nothing is good is going to happen and withdraw. Trust in God. Depend on Him. And as He directs you to take whatever steps, act in faith. Third important step is don't nag. Don't nag. Abigail didn't nag her husband, even though she had the right to say, you know, you fool, you're all going, you're going to get us all killed. How many times have I told you to do something about your temper? It's because of your temper that this has happened, you know, you're the one at fault. She could have nagged him, you know, but nagging is not going to solve the situation. And that's an important step, you know, an important truth in diffusing situations, in dealing with difficult people, don't nag. Nag is only going to aggravate it. Number four, be bold. Be bold, okay? When God directs our steps, remember she did not do things on her own because when she is talking with David, she acknowledges, you know, who God is in her life, you know, her trust in God, her focus is on what God can and will do for David, you know, recognizing that God is in charge. Be willing to take bold steps. If you're taking bold steps thinking that you're the boss, you're going to land in trouble. But when you're trusting in God and taking those small, bold steps, God is the one who will help you. This is why the fifth step is very important. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. She knew that God is going to bring David to the throne. That was faith, isn't it? Even though now David is in the wilderness, but she trusted God. She knew that even though tough things are tough for David, God is still in charge. As much as she trusted that even though things are tough in her life, God is in charge. That is what faith is all about. When we are in tough situations, living with difficult people, you know, have faith in God. Trust God that God is in control, you know. Sixthly, be forgiving. Be forgiving. Holding grudges, you know, being bitter doesn't solve the situation. But forgiveness, accepting and giving apologies is definitely going to go a long way. Number seven, focus on the other person's need, not their anger and their threats. You know? She knew that this is how he is, you know, for whatever reason. You know? So she did not take that situation of, hey, this is, you know, he burst out in anger, so I'm going to deal with that anger situation. She knew who this person was the need that he had for a change, if you were to say, because that was his behavior. And she was willing to help diffuse the situation by going, meeting up with David, presenting this in a peace offering and hoping that David will not retaliate. You know? Because she was concerned, you know, not only for Nabal, but she was also concerned for David, her focus was on the other's needs. Number eight, she was consistent. She was consistent. She stayed consistent. She didn't sulk about her lot in life. You know, being married to Nabal would not have been easy, you know, but she never, the scripture nowhere points out, you know, that she spoke against it in the relationship or she sulked about a relationship and she says, you know, this is useless, you know. Remember, you know, Whatever situation you are facing today, when we are able to recognize that God can use you to change and even you know, save the lives of those around you, if you are willing to remember that truth, that God is able to do this, that will help you to move from sulking to trusting God. So if you're in this tough situation this evening and you are say, sulking over it and says, where is God? That's not going to help, you know. Trust in God. Leave the future to God. Number nine, leave the future to God. Now, when she did this, she was not hoping for a change in her life. She was hoping definitely that Nabal and the family's life would be spared. That was her main concern. But what did good God do with this situation? The scripture tells us when Anna, she came back with the news and told Nabal the next day, you know, Nabal experienced 
a stroke, you know. It would have been a stroke because he became like stone, the scripture tells us, you know. And 10 days later, he died. 10 days later, he died. And what happened after that? When David knew that Nawal is dead. And when David knew the heart of Abigail, he sends a message and says, would you be my wife? It would have been a big difference for Abigail, isn't it? Having lived with Nabal, a difficult person, now she was going to live with David as his wife. God changed that situation. God changed the person, you know, itself. You know. Now, things may not be the same, you know. It is not to say if you are having a difficult spouse that God will give you another spouse, you know. It is not that if you are having a difficult person, God will change your boss, you know. God may do it, you know. If you have been trusting God and Allah being faithful, but make sure it is not for the benefit of what you want, you know. That's the result. That's what God did. Okay, trust God. But God is the one. Tough situation to live with that tough and a, and a difficult person. Trusting God that God is able to, and as you and I draw our strength with Him, not only does God change the situation, He is able to change the person as well. So I do not know what situation you are going through this week, you know, or these months maybe, you know, but my prayer is that you know we would have some takeaways from this particular passage and understand that God is the one who is able to do this for us. Couple of application questions before I close this evening. What are your thoughts about Abigail's difficult marital situation? Number two, where have you been like Nabal, a difficult person to live with? You know, ask yourself, are you like Abigail? Are you like Nabal? Are you like Abigail, able to show discernment to diffuse the collision course? Have you been giving Satan a foothold with your anger? Have you been like Nabal, bursting out, bad temper, and as a result, giving a foothold to Satan? And the relationship, instead of getting better, is becoming worse. And number five, how can you use soft words, body language, that might calm down? an angry situation. May the Lord help us this week as we go through tough situations, difficult people, that we would be like Nabal. We would not be like Nabal, but we would be like Abigail, trusting God that he is the one who is in charge, that we will remain faithful to him. And as he directs our steps, take those steps which will change not only the situation, but the person also. Let's bow our heads and pray together.